Find out how you can access your savings tax-free by visiting paradigmlife.net forward slash resources. This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey everyone, Patrick Dono here. Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 117. And today we are going to be talking about social capitalism. And we're going to cut to an interview I did uh, just a few days ago with Lisa Lannon, who is the co-founder of Warrior's Heart. But I have some exciting news. I'm here to discuss this exciting topic with Brad Gibb, my good friend. Brad, how's it going? Awesome. It's good to be here. You're a big capitalist. So this whole idea behind social capitalism, it's kind of like socialist capitalism Cap- or so, so Oxymoron, what? right? Yeah. So we're, uh, so we're going to kind of get into it and then we're going to cut to the interview with Lisa. Um, but this is uh, it's, it's a, a couple that uh, have become good friends of, of my family and I's and uh, their perspective on life is amazing. And they have created such an incredible idea around how to build a business. And they built a very successful one uh, and then sold it to a private equity group. And now they're on to their next biggest venture. I'm sure they're going to be uh, 10 times as as successful. So I'm excited to see uh, how that goes. But the angle that they take on uh, on just business and entrepreneurism in general is uh, is very interesting. So let's just talk briefly, Brad, about this idea of social capitalism. So the idea is, I mean, capitalism is is what? I mean, capitalism is essentially a, uh, an economic theory. Uh, you can even consider it a social theory where you know yeah. individuals capitalize on opportunities uh, to make life easier for some and in exchange they get uh, they get a profit right so let's talk just briefly about how you would define capitalism yeah so really it's just a a method of organizing ourselves if, if you want to really break it down to that level and it's organizing not just the the capital that we have like dollars and cents and buildings and equipment and everything but even our time and our energies who should direct how those are used and, and where they're put to use. Yep. And so on, on a capitalism basis, what's, what's traditionally defined as capitalism is it's left to each individual to make that decision as to what's the best use of their time and their own resources. Yeah. And I think with the idea behind, you know, why it's called capitalism and, and capital, I mean, I think it would be better to call it resourcism, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. capital, it, the capitalism, the idea, and I think we have it framed as kind of like a, um, you know, the movie uh, Wall Street with Gordon Gecko, and, you know, greed is good and that's capitalism. You see these like fat guys with cigars and yeah, their bellies hanging out. Yeah, very self-serving. Yeah, it's right? really self-serving and they're taking advantage of people. But the yeah. true nature of capitalism is really a human being who looks at, as you said, resources and time and, and figures out a way to make life easier for other people. You know, capitalism is really the, uh, it, it, it allowed for the creation of, uh, Facebook. It allowed for the creation um, of cell phone technology, for computer technology, uh, for you know getting into the medical field. I mean, there's all sorts of of ways in which capitalism has created amazing things for people. But in the end, the differentiator between capitalism and socialism is the fact that the person that does actually create these things and services and goods and so forth actually turns a profit from them. Right, and that's where I think people see, well, oh, he's making money off of it. But again, in the at the end of the day, that driver, the the revenue driver, is essentially what is the stimuli behind a person coming up with ideas. If there is a, a motivation there, uh, that's the motivation to gain and essentially exchange something 
uh, for, uh, for, for dollars because somebody is willing to, to basically say, I value your thing or your service more than the dollars. Okay. That essentially is a, a genuine capitalistic type of exchange where both parties know what they're getting and both walk away from the deal happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why when you say capitalism allowed for things like Facebook, capitalism didn't create it. An individual did. But because of he was allowed to choose and dictate what he thought his best resources were, he was able to come up with that idea and implement it. Whereas if we're working under some other form, then you're limiting the number of people coming up with ideas and spending their time experimenting and trying things out and learning. And so what capitalism unleashed the common man, every single person to be able to take their idea and take it to market. And, and develop that and, and solve the problems that they see around them rather than shifting that responsibility to a small group of people. And obviously, the more minds working on a problem, the better, the, the, you know, the, the more solutions we can come up with. So and I think at the end, too, it, it's also having the reward system in place, right. but also the, the payment for failure, right? Because it goes both ways. Not all capitalistic ideas are going to end with creating a service or good that is mm-hmm. valuable to people, right? There has to be a way to measure that, right? And typically that measurement is, is profit. And if it costs somebody to come up with those ideas, it's, an, it's in a you know, free society, it is, uh, it's not going to last. It's going to be a failure and there's yeah. going to essentially be a, a loss associated with it, which would discourage a person from continuing to innovate the way that they have and encourage them to innovate in a way in which it would create a profit. And this is kind of the difference between capitalism and socialism, right? Because the idea behind socialism, one of the best books that's out there that will take you know a long time to read, uh-huh. uh, but you can go to Cliff Notes and you know, find a summary on Wikipedia, which is Atlas Shrugged. And it talked about the 21st century motor company. And that's one of the best examples of capitalism and socialism, right? Where you had this very thriving uh, motor company that was on the uh, cutting edge of innovation. And they had this uh, engineer, John Galt, who created this, you know, motor that operated off of, you know, the atmospheric energy. And, and essentially the, the founder died and it was given to the, the, the family of the founder and they turned it into uh, this brand new way of facilitating business, which was to, uh, from each according to their ability and to each according to their need. So what it basically did is it restructured the company in which all the people that had the talent, they would they do all the work. The people that didn't have talent wouldn't work. But then all the resources that were created because of their talent mm-hmm. were distributed to people uh, based on their need. So if the capitalistic person, or not the capitalist, but the the producer actually went in and created all these resources and all this value and and really worked for the motor company and made them super successful, right? All of that success in terms of profit and money were was distributed to those that didn't produce anything. Right. So that's the that's the essence mm-hmm. of of socialism where it uh, basically is a backward approach where it doesn't necessarily um you know have anything to do with with profit. It's more of a, a redistribution of the revenue and the wealth it's created. And it's not even theoretical just in a book like that. Recently there was an entrepreneur who took a, a very thriving business and with all this minimum wage discussion that's been going on lately, decided that everybody in the company makes at a minimum $75,000 a year. And that lasted for a handful of months and then the company was in the red and, and, and headed downward. So again, it was trying to say, you know, we're going we're gonna to decouple the idea of 
the the value that people perceive your work for and just give you based on what your need yep. is. And so it's not even theoretical. We've seen actual real life examples of the very same principle in place. Yeah. And obviously in the end, there's this moral argument between it. We're not going to get into that necessarily today, uh, but let's touch on this idea of social capitalism because it's still capitalism, Yeah. right? And what it is, it's taking social problems that are out there, right? Right now we have an immense amount of social problems, um, anywhere from immigration uh, to welfare, uh, to healthcare. Uh, there's all sorts of issues that's going on with our, with our society. And so what Josh and Lisa did is they basically said, with these social problems, okay, most of them get put onto the shoulders of government to solve or nonprofits to yep. solve. So they basically said, how can we solve these problems and do it from a capitalistic standpoint where you actually have a profit and a revenue generation if you did that, their theory was that you're going to be able to get better services, mm -hmm. okay, better results, um, and less cost than if you went the traditional nonprofit route or government route. And they proved yep. it. Yeah. And they had a very successful drug and alcohol rehab center. Um, they operated, I believe, they were about to acquire their seventh, uh, but they had six. And, uh, and then they were approached by a private equity group um, that uh, they bought they bought them. And really the the motivation for them selling wasn't that they wanted to to retire. Um, the motivation behind selling was essentially they had a bigger vision, which is what they're getting into now. And you know they did give services, they created businesses, they employed a lot of people, and they created these journey healing centers, which essentially took in people that were having social problems, um, problems with their past, uh, problems with, um, over medicating themselves, pre uh, pre uh, prescription, uh, prescription uh, addiction, uh, all the way to you know some of your higher level drug addictions. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was all over the place. And one of the things that they discovered during this journey uh, of building journey healing centers was that there were uh, there's this demographic out there that were suffering massively. And it was what they call the warriors, which are um, return veterans from war, um, from all branches, but also uh, first, uh, first responders, right? Mm -hmm. Which are your, your policemen, your firemen, uh, those that essentially go into battle, whether it's, you know, on the battlefield or in the saving of lives and protection and so forth and experience incredibly difficult to process events, uh, and then essentially, uh, rely on the resources that are provided to them, like the VA mm -hmm. um, or, you know, other government sponsored deals that helps them cope. And they just found that the, at their journey healing centers was that there wasn't this, uh, there wasn't this go-to organization that could help these warriors deal with their problems where they were in a community uh, of other people that could sim em empathize with them, right? Right, because they were in the same type of treatment centers as those that you know had issues with school or issues with their parents or issues with you know different things which you know made them go into prescription drugs or alcohol or um, illegal drugs and substances and mm -hmm. so forth. So, so they essentially said we need to carve out that demographic and give them more attention, and especially is the attention of their peers. And their peers being other first responders, other warriors that they could essentially heal together. Uh, and that's the venture that they decided to create, which is really exciting. And, and the cool thing about the social capitalism angle to it is they came up with solutions that didn't exist before, yet they were very, very effective for both of these groups. I mean, the, the Journey Healing Centers they did before and now that same process of 
looking at what their what needs are out there and how they can fulfill them at a profit led them to a business model that had never really been tried in that arena before and had huge results uh, for just a new way of approaching uh, that problem that wasn't kind of the standard the standard way of doing it. And it's really exciting to see them move from kind of the, the journey healing centers to a more focused approach with Warrior's Heart and the way they're approaching it that just has never been done before. It's really it's really awesome to see them connect with a passion that way. And, and it's, it's something that I think all of us to, to some degree or another can connect with and realize that that has a, a very moving social impact. And then to mix that with this builds a, a successful business around it is kind of the best of both worlds. It's really exciting to see their success on both those fields. Yep. And it's what's, before we cut to the interview, kind of some last, last statistics, and we'll cite them on the actual interview itself. Um, but if you, if you look at the, 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 population of those that were suffering from drugs and alcohol, just just issues in that regard that needed these rehabilitation centers. Um, it was just as high as all of the warriors that are out there that are, con- are currently uh, committing suicide and not getting uh, the care that they need. I think we, we she cites some statistics on the podcast where you have police officers, you know, first responder type of positions that are, that are going, you know, every, uh, every few minutes. Uh, and as far as return vets, because they're not getting the treatment that they need at the VA, which there's insanely long wait periods and so forth, um, that they are also taking that route. So their their goal um, is a very lofty goal to uh, to heal uh, through some of their centers um, these these warriors. So yep. so it's exciting to see. So let's let's go ahead um, and cut to the interview. Uh, before I do that, let me reference some of their websites. You can find them uh, on Facebook and social media at the Warriors Heart. Uh, we'll also put a link in our blog post. Uh, and then you also can go to uh, the socialcapitalistbook.com. And I believe that's where uh, they have the uh, books for sale. Uh, so the social capitalism idea uh, and the whole uh, story behind Journey Healing Centers uh, is is portrayed in this in this book. It's an amazing read. It actually generated tons of ideas for me, uh, but it tells their story, tells where they came from, and it gives you a good perspective of what they're doing with Warrior's Heart. So you can check them out that way. We'll also put their email addresses on if you guys want to contact them directly. Um, but yeah, the, right now, uh, this new project, the Warrior's Heart, is mainly being facilitated through Facebook. Uh, and they're in the process of creating their webpage and, uh, and, uh, and other presence out there because this is, it's not off the ground yet. The business hasn't started yet. Uh, but it's very, uh, very close to doing so. So let's go ahead and cut to the interview. Then we'll come back on and do some commentary. Today's uh, today's guest is uh, is Lisa Lannon, and uh, Lisa, uh, her uh, her husband Josh, uh, and I and my family have been uh, friends for for quite a few years now, and so it really is uh, an honor to have her have her here. And you're in person. This is this is a live podcast. This isn't this is not virtual. We are in the the blazing hot end of summer in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but uh, I'm I'm down here for uh, an event with uh, Blair Singer, who's one of the uh, Rich Dad advisors. Uh, what am I in for, Lisa? You've been to his events before. Well, thanks for having me on, Patrick. And yeah, Blair is a phenomenal teacher. You were in for two and a half days of amazing learning, transformation, and breakthrough. And what I can say about Blair's courses is I've had some of my biggest breakthroughs in his classes. Where I came out and our business 
skyrocketed afterwards. No way. Wow. Yeah. Bar is set very high for, for Blair. It is, but <laughs> he, he delivers. He's amazing. And uh, and your daughter, Haley, this is she's going to be going to this. Yep. Haley's 13th birthday is today, mm-hmm. and she will be in his seminar as well. So you officially have a teenager as of today? <laughs> officially, but I think that uh, <laughs> mindset started about two years ago. <laughs> I can I can sympathize with that for sure. Well, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait. And when I first saw the uh, when I first saw the agenda, there was no. There was a start time. There wasn't an end time in any of the dates, <laughs> which makes me think that he's gonna. He's gonna definitely work us. It, it varies on when you get done. I think it depends on the group and mm-hmm. how how quick the group is, or or what's drawn out of the room. Cool. Well, I'm I'm excited, but we're not gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk about you and your business, but uh, but that's why I'm here in Phoenix and. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a super busy schedule, especially with what you and Josh are up to these days. And, uh, and that's what I'd like to get into today, if that's okay. Uh, so you you and Josh, you consider yourselves uh, social capitalists. And you uh, wrote a book uh, through the Rich Dad Advisor Series called The Social Capital- Capitalist. So why don't you maybe take a minute and talk about your story and this whole idea that you created behind social capitalism. Sure. Thanks, Patrick. So yeah, the social capitalist, also known as social entrepreneurism, is taking a problem and turning it into a solution that you can do good in this world and make money or have a profit, that they don't have to be separate as in as the nonprofits. So our background goes back to Las Vegas. I used to be in law enforcement and Josh ran nightclubs and his drinking got a little out of control. I ended up giving him the ultimatum, telling him he had to go to rehab or I was going to divorce him. Thankfully, he went to rehab, and 28 days later, he got out, and we decided we had to do something different. He could not go back to work in the nightclubs. It'd be a matter of time before relapse happens. The environment was not supportive to um, him being sober. So we got a hold of some Rich Dad books. We started out with Choose to be Rich. It was a gift to us, and it opened up a whole new world for us. And we decided let's take what we've been through, turn it into a solution and help others go through the same same, uh, struggles. So we opened up Journey Healing Centers. We ended up having six locations in two different states over 12 years. In late 2013, we were approached by a large private equity-backed healthcare company. They have multiple facilities throughout the U.S. and they wanted to buy us. We matched what they were looking for. We went through the due diligence. They were a match for us, and we ended up selling. But it was quite the adventure, you know, not knowing anything about business, going through startup, raising the capital to get that funded, and um, building six facilities out of it. So that was a journey in and of itself, without the pun. But uh, And that happened end of 2013 is when you uh, finally closed the deal? Yeah, we closed in December 2013. Cool. So knowing you guys, you could have retired at that, at that point, selling the business. Um, but I, I knew that you guys would probably have to do something else. So you took this idea of social capitalism, the idea behind social problems and figuring out a private way to solve them. Because these days, when there are social problems, it's usually the government that, uh, that steps in or nonprofit that steps in and tries to figure out a solution, correct? Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of great, great nonprofits out there, and I don't want to um, say anything negative because they do do a lot of good. 
Um, and the reason we were for profit and are building our next for profit is because we have control over the money. You know, we have control over what we do with it and we can continue to reinvest it. But we are doing a hybrid model. So we will have a nonprofit site as well where we can raise funds to, to help our clients pay for treatment. But we didn't want to become just a nonprofit and become a fundraising company where that became our focus. Well, the and, and but at the end of the day, although even though it's it's nonprofit, you still have a very capitalistic angle on it because the framework of capitalism is about profit, but it's not profit to necessarily pad the pockets of owners. It's it's profit for efficiency because when you're motivated by a bottom line, uh, you have accountability. And when there's accountability, you figure out ways to accomplish more with less. And the reason why a lot of social programs, whether um, it's some of the drug programs that have existed with government, um, the social programs, uh, welfare, and so forth, the reason why there's been a lot of failure there is because there isn't that accountability that exists in the private sector. Because as you guys raise capital, you use your own capital, you want to obviously get a return for investors, get a return for yourself. So therefore, your operations of those facilities uh, are going to be more efficient and you're going to continue to try to improve them as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, being for profit, it's it's all about reinvesting. It's the return for investors. It's being socially responsible. We want to be able to expand. We want to be able to serve more people. So being for profit gives us that angle of continuously reinvest what's in it, not only for our clients, our community, our investors, and the families we serve. So where where can the listeners learn more? Because Josh was on the podcast, I think it was like three years ago, maybe. Uh, But where can can listeners learn more about the social capitalism idea, your book? Uh, And I know you guys have like a learning course. Where can they learn about that? Our website for the book side and our learning course and the Rich Dad Advisor piece that we do is thesocialcapitalistbook.com. And there's full access to, you know, um, what we do, what our next project is, able to buy the book, and then the link also to our program. Okay, awesome. So, and we'll put that link on uh, on the blog and inside the podcast as well. Great. All right, so let's let's uh, let's shift gears because, as I said, you you and Josh and I remember Josh. He's like he sent me a text and it was we're retired, right? And I was like, ah, okay, <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see that happening. So I think you when you guys were in the process of of selling is where you came up with what you're working on right now and just the idea around that. Um, and it's called uh, Warrior's Heart. So do you want to, let's take a moment and, and talk talk about where some of those ideas uh, came from and where, where this project is right now and what are some of your future plans with it? Sure. So before we sold um, Journey Healing Centers, we were looking at opening up a third location and kind of tailoring it to um, what the current project is today, Warrior's Heart. And Warrior's Heart is going to be a drug and alcohol treatment facility and also treating PTSD for our military, our veterans, our police officers, firefighters, FBI, first responders, our warrior class. We're going to tailor towards that niche so they can come in and heal on a peer-to-peer level. What we found in our previous facilities when they came in, it was a little more difficult for them to talk about the traumas of war or the traumas that they encounter on a life and death situation every day. 
And creating that environment specifically for them is really what we want to do. With my law enforcement background, my father and my grandfather were both in the military. Um, just seeing that need for them because, you know, the VA has had multiple problems over the last few years. It takes on average 18 months for a vet to be seen for PTSD. 22 vets a day are committing suicide. One police officer every 17 hours commits suicide. So there's something more that can be done than just through government agencies. So we're looking at privatizing the healthcare industry for, for our warrior class. So the, the business model with, with Journey was really intriguing because you had, you had the business side, but you also had the investment side. Right. So you had the operations, you had the employees, you had payroll, you had overhead, et cetera. That was the one side. And that was where you have new patients, you have everything associated with revenue and expenses. But then you have the real estate side. So you used uh, larger kind of McMansion residential homes, uh, obtained financing on that. Uh, and then essentially that's where these facility, uh, facilities were housed, correct? Correct. So, yeah, what we did is our, our operations were one entity and our real estate was another. And I formed a property management company and each, each property would lease to the operations. So Josh effectively became the business owner. I became the property owner. You know, we still did everything together. I was involved in the operations. He was involved in the real estate. But we had an agreement between us, between us on on the rents, and they were average. They were market rents. We didn't inflate them, but that's how we made our money through the rental income. We did not take a paycheck through the company ever in all 13 years of operations. And if we wanted more income, we had to expand the business. That's interesting. Now, and I remember when you first told me about it, it was just it was brilliant. It's a fascinating way to to run that because in a sense, you you store one business in a sense but you separated into the two primary parts of the business. We did. And when we sold, you know, we told the, the new owners, we said the real estate's not for sale. We've had long-term lease agreements in place and they were like, great, we don't want the property. So yeah. they assumed the leases and because they were at market rates, yeah. you know, they just assumed them and everything's been great. So you got 10 year terms. So you guys got to, got to keep the real estate, but sold off the operation, sold off the business side of it. Yes. Cool. All right, so now let's kind of get to to warrior's heart because we've clearly defined what the issues are. Um, there, there is big issues. There's a huge demand for the services that you guys are going to provide. So now, with you know, as you get this off the ground, let's maybe talk about where you're planning on doing it, um, and then and then how the business side is going to run and how the real estate side is going to run. So it'll be the same, similar model. Um, however, our target on what we look for in properties has changed. Before we bought large McMansions and put our operations in them. This time, while I started searching with similar, looking at large mansions, I ended up starting to look at ranches and in Texas. And what we've identified right now is a 543-acre ranch outside of San Antonio, Texas, and it's got 11 buildings on it. So it's the perfect um place for our warriors to heal and we'll do the same model we'll purchase the real estate lease it to the operations we'll also have our nonprofit on some of the acreage of the, the property and it's just gonna all work together just like our previous model 
And the reason why, because most of your facilities were in the West, now you're going to Texas. Part of that was because of, uh, you, know, you, you had agreements with the, the uh, for not competing against them in the same region, right? The private equity group. Yeah, we had non-competes in place for five years and we did disclose to them when we sold and it is was in our agreement that we were going to move forward with Warrior's Heart. So we did disclose that up front. Everything was, you know, great on that end with the disclosure. And Texas, you know, Large Ranch gives us the opportunity. We can proof out the model. We can expand on site if we need to. And then we can also expand to other states once we got the model proofed out. A lot of land in Texas. A lot of land. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as you guys were going through, you know, kind of the, the discovery phase, trying to find the different properties. I mean, you, I know that there were there were several that, that were just beautiful and almost, you know, ideal for for what your uh, what your business was, um, but people can go and see this ranch right now, the, the one that you're acquiring, because it was used as a corporate kind of a corporate retreat center or something like that before, right? Yep, it was formerly owned by Conical Phillips, and then in early 2000, Mac Energy bought it out. So Conical Phillips used it as their corporate retreat. All their executives or company would fly in and, and do their annual and quarterly. Um, retreats, meetings there. Mac Energy bought it out. I think they used it similarly at first, and then they expanded and opened up to the public. And we approached them. It wasn't for sale. We asked them if they were willing to sell it. We told them what our mission was. Josh, myself, and Tom Spooner, our other partner, he's a former Delta Army operator. We went and met, met Mr. Chase and his family at their office in New Mexico wow. and pitched the deal. And they said they sell to us. So we're, we're currently under contract. The deal has not gone through yet, but that is our target property outside of San Antonio and Bandera, Texas. And it's beautiful. There's, I mean, the buildings are beautiful. It's well-kept, uh, even airstrip on the property. I mean, 500 acres, that's a massive, a massive amount of land. Cool. So what are, what are some of your targets as far as how many warriors you'd be able to serve at any given time? There's currently 52 beds. So we'll, we'll launch it in tranches. We'll start out with 22 beds. Mm -hmm. As we um, get it opened and get our staff in place, we'll slowly start opening more and more beds. Up to 52, we have plans already to build additional structures when required and when needed. So you, I mean, you, essentially it's almost an identical business model than you had, than you had previously. And that was an incredibly successful company. Uh, now, I think you, you, we, we started talking about the statistics of uh, how many millions of Americans are having issues with substance abuse. Uh, and also, you know, other other issues, um, but this is even an even bigger problem. And so, looking at the warriors that are in need of this type of assistance, plugging and playing your almost identical business plan, I'm assuming you guys have a, a handle on what that's going to mean for the success of this business. Yeah, we'll take our 13 years of experience in our last facilities, all of our knowledge and and what we built, and apply it to this facility as well. And then we have Tom, on the other hand, who has all the connections with different government agencies and the military communities to, to assist us in marketing. And there's a lot of other organizations that are out there, such as Mission 22, that are creating this awareness of what's going on. They're also going to be involved, and especially once you get off the ground and get this running. I'm sure the word will spread pretty quickly. Yeah, we've had a lot of contacts with various organizations already, and they're excited for it. So, but this time around, you're approaching it a little bit differently as far as the acquisition is concerned. Um, so you guys are going to take on investors uh, to participate in both the business and the real estate, correct? 
Yeah, when we built Journey, we only had one investor. We raised 1.5 million for our, our startup for that project. And this time we're looking at um, bringing in other investors who'll have 20% equity in both the business and the real estate. So the passive income they'll receive is on both sides, plus the benefits of, ta- of depreciation from the real estate. That's, a, that's And you guys have a, quite a bit of experience, not necessarily with the money raised in your business and so forth, but just with the circle that you run in, there's a lot of, a lot of that. So whether it's uh, your accountants and your advisors, how this is going to be set up is, uh, is going to be pretty cool. I'm excited to, to see how it rolls out. So we're going to put a lot of links associated with what the ranch looks like. Um, also, do you guys have the you have the Warriors Heart website up as well, correct? Yeah, our website is www.warriorsheart.com. Well, just your minds in general, as far as your experience and the fact that you know private equity group came in and and uh, saw how well run your facilities were with with Journey. Um, I'm sure you were just itching to kind of get Warriors Heart off the ground and still in. Kind of the creation stage, but but you're looking to get this up and running in the next uh, three four months, correct? Is that your target? It is. Okay. Yeah, we're in due diligence for the property now, so as soon as we close on that, we can go for the license and and open the doors. That's that is that's exciting. Well, we have we, we probably need to do this uh, this again, maybe do a follow up next year to see how things are going. Uh, but I appreciate you being on and talking about the social capitalist, social entrepreneurship, talking about warriors hired. I mean, you guys are clearly brilliant when it comes to business and investing. Now, you know, you're actually going out and, and making making a difference, which is even more compelling. So thanks for being here and thanks for sharing with us, Lisa. Well, thank you for having me on, Patrick. Thanks. You've been listening to Patrick Donahoe on the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard for everything financial. Thank you for listening. If you're investing in real estate, you can boost your gains by being your own bank. Visit ParadigmLife.net forward slash resources to learn this real estate wealth strategy.